0: And amen. Well, amen. It's an honor to be here and sharing with you. And I want to encourage you uh, again. We're live right now. We'll be live uh, in the morning two times. But go ahead, get on Facebook, share it with other people. Let this be an opportunity to literally give the devil a black eye in the midst of this, that just friends and families that might not know God, that are worried and concerned, will get online and, and hear this word from God. And I really believe it. it's an encouraging word God has for us. But let me start off a little lighter, first of all. There was a guy that was walking down the sidewalk past an insane asylum. And as he's walking past the, the fence, he hears on the other side of the fence, 13, 13, 13. And this has got him curious, but he can't see through a fence. And he walks around, he finally founds a little hole in the fence. And he looks in the fence, and then some guy pokes him in the eye with a stick. And then you hear, 14, 14. Anyhow, does anybody have a Bible? Hopefully you do. And this is a good chance, if you're at home, maybe to get that big family Bible out that you have and dust it off a little bit, or if you've got your electronic device. But if you've ever heard me preach, you know that I believe this Word is a weapon. It's a two-edged sword, and with it, I like to chop off some devil's heads. So you'll humor me, and in your home, kids, families, if you'll get your Bible, let's chop off some devil's heads. Na, 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 okay, we got them. I know the children know, because Pastor Michael does it up with the children, but if you believe that, repeat after me. Say, this Bible has the power, this Bible has the power, to change my life, to change my city. I can do what this Bible says I can do. I'll be a history maker and a world shaker. This Bible's a truth detector, sin deflector, faith inflator. I'm going to read it now. I'm going to read it later. And if you believe that, give Jesus a big shout and a hand clap. Amen. It's a good way to start. I got a message entitled, Fear Not, that it feels very appropriate with all that's going on. But in my over 30 years of ministry, I've talked and prayed with a lot of people. They're afraid. They're anxious about something. They have fear in their life. They could be worried about a doctor's report coming in. They could be fearful that a spouse will leave them or fearful that their spouse will stay with them, whatever the case may be. But in my personal life the 39 years of marriage... And raising four children, we had plenty of opportunity to be fearful and anxious. As a matter of fact, the day I gave my life to the Lord, April 14th, 1984, when I said Jesus come into my life, when I realized when a guy asked me a question, if you died, would you go to heaven or hell? And I didn't really have the answer. And I realized at that point that I needed to ask Christ into my life and turn from doing things my way and begin to follow him. But you know, four days after that, our first baby uh, came Premature. Our daughter, Amanda, was born two and a half years like like ago. And I realized at that point that I needed to ask Christ early. into my life and, and turn every from doing day things. That they would tell us, they'd take CAT scans, they'd say, Your baby's not going to walk or talk, so there's going to be complications, so you need to be ready. And so this is the way my Christian walk started, with a lot of fear and anxiety. But something in my heart, I just knew I wasn't going to get mad at my wife, I wasn't going to get mad at God, I was just going to trust Him. And it was just God's grace in the midst of that. But you know, she was in a hospital two months. And she had to have a major surgery where they had to relieve the pressure and put in a vice called a shunt in her skull and to relieve the spinal fluid pressure. And there was a lot of things going on. She was on a respirator. Uh, and I still had to play football. I had to, that was my job at the time. I was in San Antonio in the USFL, and I had to go into work every day. I had to worry about this 300-pound guy knocking me into the stands and worry about my three-pound daughter. But there was a grace on it. God gave me that grace. But even in the midst of that, I remember going from practice one day to the hospital, and my guts were just being eat up. I was so worried, so fearful that I went into one of the Walgreens or something to get some Tums and Rolades, and I had to stop, and I just bent over. I could hardly walk, and I thought I was going to have to go to the hospital, but that passed. And I remember one other summer that it was just one of those summers I think my son was maybe fifth or sixth grade and we were doing an outreach down in our inner city. We had a 10 up and I was doing these power feats to get people's attention. We were blowing up hot water bottles and I had this stack of bricks, 10, ten bricks I was gonna break through and I didn't really set myself up right and when I hit that thing, it didn't break all the way and I felt some pain. I just kind of held my arm there, and I kept kind of preaching and doing an altar call. And I came to church that next morning, and I was believing God that it was going to be all right, and I could worship with one arm. But by the end of that service, I went to the emergency room, and I found out when the x-rayed, I'd broken my arm. And so I had a cast that summer. And in Texas, where it's hot, we had a plan to the beach. And it's amazing what you can do with a uh, big old plastic bag and some duct tape to kind of get by and your showers and getting wet. And so that was kind of my thing. And then my son, I'd build a zip line in the backyard. That same summer, he falls off the zip line and breaks his ankle. So now we both got casts on. And then my daughter that I just told you about that was born premature, who'd had a couple surgeries, and it was a miraculous healing where God actually changed the CAT scans, and her brain matter changed. And I'm telling you, God did a miracle, and she was healed. And uh, there were a few complications back then, but here she is. She's graduating from high school, and now in her late teens, she starts having complications. This same summer, we have to rush her to the hospital, and they're going to have to do emergency surgery and redo that valve they put in her head. And she's got long brown hair. That was the biggest thing that she just began to cry about. They were going to have to cut her hair. But this doctor was just real sent to that, and he kind of lifted up the long hair and, and made a pass underneath, and, and she's able to pull that back over. And, you know, she made it through that. And then in the midst of that, we plan a youth trip with our youth, and we're taking our youth to Colorado Springs to a thing called Prayer Storm. I think we had a, a big van and a bus, and I'm driving the bus. My wife is pregnant at this time. And she started having some pains, and I stopped at a truck stop, and my wife had a miscarriage in the bathroom of a truck stop. And I'm telling you, it was just one of those things that, you know, I've got a bus full of kids, and they don't know what's going on. We can't really tell them anything. And I remember stopping at a stoplight in that bus, and I looked across the corner, and there was a Harley-Davidson shop. And I just had this fleeting thought for a moment. I wonder how much credit is on my credit card. I could just leave the bus here, get on a Harley, and just drive away and get away from it all. But you know, God brought us through those things. We have four beautiful, healthy children, and now two grandchildren. I'm telling you, we got through that, and God helped us do that. Just because you're a Christian does not mean you're exempt from the storms of life. But when you're a Christian, you got somebody in your boat, his name Jesus. He can speak peace to your storms and give you a comfort. And I'm telling you, he's real, he's for you, and he can be with you. Let's talk about fear a minute. You know, there's endless examples of fear in the Bible, but it starts in the book of Genesis. In the Garden of Eden, there was no fear, there was no worry with Adam and Eve, but there was one rule, one thing God told them not to do was from, to eat from that fruit, that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And of course, they got deceived, they took that bite, and when they did, that's when it happened. That's when humanity was cut off from God's goodness. That's when we came into this sinful nature. They sinned, and Adam realized it. He realized he could be facing judgment. He could be kicked out of the garden, didn't know what else might happen. He felt ashamed. And God said, Adam, Adam, where are you? And God knows where Adam's at, but he's saying, Adam, where's this relationship we had? Things are never going to be the same, and he's looking for him. And in Genesis 3, 10, this is where Adam responds. And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and hid myself. This is the first instance in human history where man experienced fear. Adam knew he could, fall, he could fall into judgment. He was ashamed. He felt bad. Now, this fear is something the enemy's been using from that day forward, and he bombards us with fear, and it's a real thing. And, matter of fact, time after time you see in the Bible that. People in situations are overwhelming situations, and God would tell them, fear not. You know, I've heard it said there's over 365 fear nots in the Bible, one for every day. As a matter of fact, in the book by Lloyd Ogilvie, he says there's 366 Fear nots. That's one for every day in leap year two, which we just experienced. Now, if you do an actual word search, you're going to realize you're not going to come up with exactly 365 fear nots. But there's over 500 times you see the word fear in the Bible, where it's the fear of the Lord or other situations. But when you expand the search to verses encouraging us to receive God's peace, His strength when we're worried or when we're anxious, now you've got a lot of scriptures. But here's the good news there only needs to be one scripture from God that says, Fear not. And I'm telling you, if God says, Says it, you can take it to the bank you know we're in a war there's a spiritual battle going on just first of all this virus it's nothing you can see which makes it very very difficult you don't know if that person touched that person who touched this person who touched this thing that you touch it's nothing you can see and I tell you it's a lot like the battle we're in it's an unseen battle there's a man a person a spirit being named Lucifer He was kicked out of heaven because he wanted to be like God and that's the devil. And a third of the angels were cast out with him and those are demons and they are here to wear out the saints. They're literally here to uh, bring uh, torment and to try to get you to turn away from God or keep you from knowing God. But it's more than ever that we need to understand spiritual warfare the church needs to learn how to fight and realize we've been given every weapon to see victory we've been given the word of God we've been given angels to minister our needs we've been given the blood of Jesus we've been given uh, all this massive weapons that are spiritual weapons to help us have the victory but there's a reminder we need to remind ourselves of this battle, the enemy's not just going to show up to your door and start harassing you and, and trying to take things from you and get you in this battle. The battle that we fight is between our ears. 99% of our battles are going to be battles that are in our minds. And we've got to realize that, that it's going on. It's a battle between fear and faith. It's constantly going on. And there's not a more trying time than this right now, what we're experiencing. And it's amazing how... Some of us are more susceptible to those thoughts of fear. and I mean, we all get them, but some of us, they kind of go around in our mind and then pretty soon they head out the front door and then they head down this long and winding road leading you to this big place of anxiety. And when I think about some people being more success- susceptible, you know, my son's one of them. He's very creative, but he just has that mind that's going here and going there, and so he's got, his mind's out there all the time, so he's got to try to reel it back in. My wife's more susceptible to this feelings of fear, because just because of her emotional ties to everybody, and she's a very compassionate person, and she has these burdens for people, and her thoughts can get out there, and she can worry. You know, with me, I don't know, maybe I got hit too many times playing football, or my thoughts might get out of my mind, get out my front door. Once they get to my garage, and they get to a car, then it's like, okay, how can I make this car faster? How can I build something else? And so I got grace in that area, I guess. But we need to understand there's a real battle going on. And God has given us weapons. He says in Second Corinthians 10.3, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised up against the knowledge of God. We take every thought captive to obey Christ. I'm telling you, there's a war going on in your mind, and you've got to literally take those thoughts prisoner. It's a war, and you've got to get those thoughts that want to run out there, and you've got to pull them back in. Take them captive, take them prisoner. Okay, we're coming to the part of the message where I have a word that I'm going to give you. And it's an acronym. It's just the way I kind of like to preach, where the way God communicates with me. But more than that, this word gives me a roadmap. It gives me a starting place and an ending point. And the ending point will be good for you. And you can say amen to that one. But there's a word that I'm gonna use. Matter of fact, if you guess this word first on our live feed, the actual Church on the Rock Facebook one, I got a $25 gift card for you or you can trade that for my giant mega roll of toilet paper that I bought. It's about $21.50 I think I spent on that one. But, so you gotta start thinking of this word right now. It's a very current word that we haven't heard for up to about seven months ago. A few months ago we started hearing this word. No, it's not the name of a beer, and it's a little shorter. It's five letters, but it might be related to that word, and it's actually a word that's five letters long that starts with the letter C and ends in a number. You're getting closer. Hey, if your kids guess it, you got to give them an extra treat, okay? And so we're going to wait on this Facebook feed a little bit, but it's a word. I'll give it to you right now. COVID, C-O-V-I-D, COVID-19. And when you hear this word now, first of all, it's going to help me to have a road map, but it's going to help you. What the enemy meant for bad, God can turn to good. So you hear this on the news, you're going to immediately think COVID. That letter C stands for cast your cares on him. Say that to your neighbor in your house. Say that to your child. Say that to your dog or cat. Say cast your cares on him. All right? 1 Peter 5, 7. It says, casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. Casting all your anxiety upon him, he cares for you. You know, I've got a Spirit-Filled Life Bible that's dated back from 1997. I actually lost one, and Stephen Karen Davis bought me another one when we were at the Brownsville Revival. And there's a footnote in this scripture in the Spirit-Filled Life Bible, and it's the Greek word Marimna. Alright, that word marimna is the word for care. Casting all your care, your marimna, that means divide your mind. So that means those things that are dividing your mind, those anxieties, those distractions, those burdens, those worries, those things that come in and want to take your mind this way or that way to make you anxious beforehand or unnecessarily, those things we got to fight against because deep down we realize we have a Father that loves us, a Father in heaven wants to meet our daily needs and our special needs. And there's this battle going on. And here's the interesting thing about this verse. First of all, First Peter, who wrote that? See if your kids can give you that answer. Uh, it's kind of a clue just in the name. Peter wrote that. Very good, Pastor John. He came up with that one. And uh, give him a little treat, Steve. Peter the fisherman wrote this book. He uses the word cast. Now, this is the Greek word epihipto, and that word is only used, oh, i got to stop right now. I see the answer on the screen. The person that got the word was Sherry Quinn, one of our Atlanta uh, small group leaders, one of our elders and his wife, so they're going to get that gift certificate for guessing the word COVID. Now, that word cast, Peter used. Epirehipto is only used one other time and is in the scripture in Luke where they cast their garments on the colt that Jesus was riding in on. They threw their garments on there. Now, I got this little illustration from Sean McAvee. Now, imagine you're Peter. You're in this boat fishing in this vast body of water, and now you don't fish with a fishing pole with a rod and a reel, but instead you have this tangled, twisted mass that's your net. It's heavy, it's burdensome, it's hard to work by yourself, but even so, you take this soggy, cumbersome thing and you fling it away from you. You cast it out and throw it upon the sea, and you leave it up to providence. That net represents our cares our anxieties, whatever's weighing you down. You're not supposed to carry it in the boat. That's not what it's for. And believe it or not, it has a purpose. When you take this twisted mass of cares and you throw it in the mighty arms of God that you can trust, what happens then? Well, let's check on those cares. Go ahead, haul up the net. Chances are it may be full of fish. Is it possible that that simple act of tossing away your cares could bring an abundance back to you? Did humbly offering up your net to someone keeping you afloat, bring back a yield of met needs? What would have happened if you just kept that heavy tangled mess that you fretted over and kept it in your little boat? You know, what do you got in your life right now that's tangled? Is it your finances, your marriage, singleness, work, health, a dried up spiritual life, a combination of the above? Remember this, that he cares for you. Let that soak in a minute. Take that twisted thing off your shoulders. Cast it out into the ocean. You can trust God. Admit that your net mending is not really doing that much good catching fish anyhow. So really toss that thing out there. Let it, let it land upon him. And don't even ask why because Peter tells us why. He said God cares for you. That's why you need to do this. And then when God calls to check on those things, that uh, those cares you threw out there, just be prepared for what comes to the surface. The very things that meant to entangle you tangle you, turn into a blessing and provision when it's given to the Lord. Well, that's good, Pastor Mike, could I hear that again? I'd love to. The very things that were meant to entangle you turn into a net of blessing and provision when it's given back to the Lord. So the C is cast your cares on him. The O is offer up praises and thanksgiving. Let's say that together. Offer up praises and thanksgiving. Praise and thanksgiving, it opens up your heart, causes you joy to well up in your spirits. And the word tells us that praise and thanksgiving are kingdom keys that open up doors to his courts, allowing us to enter into his presence. Psalm 100, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give him thanks, bless his name. Praise the Lord for who he is. See, as you read through scripture and you start to write down his qualities, his attributes, his mercy, his faithfulness, his patience, his everlasting love. You praise him for a character. Develop that habit of praise in your prayer time. Psalm 51, it says, Lord, open my lips and my mouth and I will declare your praise. Psalm 119, seven times a day I will praise you for your righteous rules. See, your soul strengthened in the process of praise because praise will cause your faith to grow. And as it grows, you suddenly realize that the God you're serving can do anything. Nothing's impossible for Him. And those mountains that were so big begin to be smaller in the presence of the Lord. Then you got to thank Him for what He's done, thank you for what He's going to do, and in all your ways acknowledge Him and He'll make your path straight. He really will. An attitude of gratitude will wash away negativity, it'll purify your soul. And a great way to start your prayer time, man, find some scriptures in Psalm. You can go anywhere from Psalm 145 to Psalm 150 and read it out loud. I'm telling you, you're going to start talking about God's goodness, His love, His power, His holiness, His wisdom, His greatness, His glory, His majesty. Matter of fact, I might even close the service reading part of Psalm 145. Moving on to the next letter, we're right in the middle now. It's V. V. And it stands for victory, declare it. There's a victory, but we need to declare it. First of all, the war was won 2,000 years ago. Jesus defeated the devil. He defeated death, hell, and the grave, and sickness. And now we're still in a battle, but we need to fight from a place of victory. And we have all the weapons needed. All the weapons, and they're not carnal, they're not fleshly weapons. But they're mighty, spiritual weapons to the pulling down of strongholds. Luke 10, 19 says this. Behold, I have given you and me, i have given us power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall harm you. Job 22:28 28 says, You shall also declare a thing, and it will be established to you, so light will shine your way. What does it mean to declare and to decree? When you declare something, you're spiritually making an announcement to the powers and principalities of the air that you're giving notice to them that you're in agreement with God's Word. And I'm telling you, God's Word is powerful. You're letting Satan know he's a defeated foe. You're proclaiming that whatever God said, I can agree with it, and I can take possession of that thing. And he says, by his stripes, you are healed, and you can hold on to those things. Psalm 2, 7 through 8, it says, I will declare the decree... The Lord has said to me, you are my son, today have begotten you. Ask of me and I'll give you the heathen or the nations for your inheritance, the ends of the earth for your possession. To make a decree is an official order issued by a legal authority. And we've been given authority, as I said, through Jesus Christ to tread on serpents and scorpions over all power of the enemy. And it's a judgment or a decision of certain law courts. There's decisions and judgments being made right now that are changing our life we can't gather together as a church. There's decrees that are being made. Do you know we have that authority that we can make the decree that no plague will come near my dwelling, no evil befall me. That's in Psalm 91. We can begin to agree with God's word. You know, we had a little bit of a scare in our house. First of all, we were out of town last weekend. We were in Dallas. So, you know, it was just starting to hit the surface with all this going on. and, And we were being more aware. My son had flown back from Michigan. So he had been in an airport. And, you know, now we're around a lot more people. And we came Back and uh, my daughter was actually in Puerto Rico, her and her husband. So we had the grandbaby, and then they realized daycare's closed. So we brought the grandbaby back, and you start hearing about all the symptoms. And man, my throat starts getting sore, and your mind's going out there. Oh man, what I got? And I tell my son my sore throat sore, and then his throat gets sore just from me telling him about it. And it just kind of spreading more mentally than anything. But our baby gets a our grandbaby gets a little cough, and my wife does. And just a couple days ago, now my wife has about every symptom. I mean, she's got a fever. Her throat is hurting. She's coughing. She's aching, a headache. And we're going, oh, I give my doctor a text, and he said to drive to the back of the clinic. And so we sit there, and we're waiting. But I'm declaring these words. And... uh, we're waiting, and they take the flu test, the strep throat test, and we just wait and wait, and they come back out, and our doctor looks at us, Dr. Bowen, he says, usually this is not good news, but I'm kind of happy to tell you, you've got strep throat. And we go, praise God, strep throat, I can, I can take that one, maybe even flu, no corona. But I'm telling you, it's a, it's, it can be very fearful when you start getting those things. We need to pray the word out loud. Speak it into the atmosphere. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let that word go forth and change the atmosphere and build up your faith. Okay, the next letter is the letter I. And it stands for intercession and prayer. First Timothy 2, 1 Timothy 2.1. First of all, then I urge you that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people intercession. It's prayer on behalf of other people. We're praying for somebody else. Jesus is our great high priest. He's our example. Hebrews 7, 25. It says, consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for us. The initiative of intercession comes from God. We've got to be sensitive and responsive to the direction in prayer that the Holy Spirit places on our hearts and what we're to do. Abraham was somebody that was a friend of God. They communed together. And when Abraham was interceding, interceding for the city of Sodom, God told him this in Genesis 16. Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Abraham was trying to save the whole city. He wasn't just concerned about Lot and his family. He really wanted to, to save his city. And I think that's where we need to be at. I am tell you, it's just real easy just to kind of want to Draw back and hunker up. And now's the time for the church to really step out. And first of all, pray for people and take on those burdens. As a matter of fact, intercession is described as a love response to the prompting of the Holy Spirit for an urgent need. It could be a simple cry to God for a loved one, but all of God's children are called to participate in this thing called prayer, this type of prayer. Galatians 6.2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. God's pleased when we burden, bear the burdens of others. And come in intercession on their behalf. And again, this is a time we need to pray for one another. You can respond, uh, you know, even in the Facebook things. And your friend, circle of friends, they can message you. And you can pray for them. You can have ministry time when this is over. But we need to not just bear one another's burdens in prayer. We need to look for opportunities to tangibly help people. It was kind of amazing. When this first happened, I got a text from one of our safety team. And we've got probably over 20 guys that just their role is just make sure this is a safe place. You can bring your kids and bring your family and right away, they're talking, how can they help the elderly? How can they help people that have, uh, are more susceptible, like our pastor, Pastor Travis, who's had a kidney transplant, and we got to kind of cover him and, and, and help him. So there's ways we can help, and God's pleased when we do that. The last letter, I told you there was an end to this, is don't shrink back. Let's say that together. Don't shrink back. I'm going to read a scripture in Hebrews about not shrinking back. But the background of this, the writer of Hebrews is addressing Hebrew believers who have tasted fear. They were exhausted. Their friends and their family had been in prison and killed. They were wondering if living for Jesus was even worth it. They were scared for their lives and their families. They were weary. Now listen to this verse in Hebrews ten thirty six. For you have need of endurance. Man, we're just maybe a week into this what about 2 weeks or a month if it goes longer we have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of god you may receive what is promised for yet a little while i am and the one coming one will come and he will not delay but my righteous shall live by faith if he does not shrink back or if he says if it's sh- I'll read that again. But my righteous one shall live by faith. If he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve our souls. You know, let those words haunt you a little bit. You know, I shrink back a lot. It haunts me. You know, we're plagued with these inner wars. I shrink back because I'm afraid. I don't trust myself or I'm confused what God exactly wants me to do or when I figure out what he wants me to do, I'm afraid I can't do it or I have too much to do and I can't accomplish it. You know, we shrink back because we're afraid. We're afraid of what we will lose. What if following God costs me the things I love the most? What if I lose approval? What if I lose comfort? What if I lose success? Or what else? What if I lose control? What if I give my life, he takes away the deepest desire of my heart? You know, when I first saved, I think that was my biggest worry. I kind of said a prayer one time, Jesus come into my life, but could you just get in the trunk and kind of hide there, and if I need you, I'll tell you, or I'll put you in my pocket, and don't worry really about anybody to know. I mean, I don't want somebody to think I'm a Jesus freak or part of the God squad, and I was kind of had that struggle. And here what I was doing, I was holding on my dirt, and God was wanting to change that for diamonds. I was wanting to hold on to my rags, and God was wanting to give me riches. I'm telling you, one of the greatest things when I just surrendered my life to Jesus, I said, God, you take control. I'm going to stop doing things my way and follow you. And I'm telling you, there's a great peace and a confidence that will come and a boldness, too. This is the hour the church needs to rise up and not shrink back. And when I say the church, I'm not talking about this building. There's not many in here. We've got a few people running our sound and cameras, and that's about it. When I say the church, I'm talking about you and me, the living stones that God's building this church out of. This is a time that, uh, you know, we need to really be the church. And there's a part of me that wants to stock up and hunker down because, hey, you know, I'm a country boy. I can run a trout line. I can skin a catfish. I can survive. But, you know, we could store up all this stuff, and then at some point, you got to have enough ammo, and you got to put gasoline in your lawn sprinklers and shoot it with a tracer around so it goes off and keeps the people away. You know, if I was really serious about, you know, survival, I'd pack up my family, and, and I'd move west, but I wouldn't move to California. I'd move to Montana. Why? Because my sister Cindy and her husband Jeff are there, and their two sons and their daughters, and they're big game guides. I mean, they would fly out in the middle of Alaska. I know they could survive. Matter of fact, my parents were actually out there. They would fly out on a float plane. It's the only way you can get there. Land on a lake, take horses back into their cabins, and it was right at the end of this big salmon stream. My dad built this smokehouse where they'd smoke salmon in. They literally would stay there the whole winter. And just survive. So I know if it came down to that, I could hook up with them and I'd be fine. But you know what? It's not about me. It's not about my survival. It's about God and his kingdom. It's about loving our neighbor. It's about being a light in the midst of the darkness and a hope for the hopeless. And I got a scripture here as I kind of wind down to the end here that's humorously relevant right now. And it's James 4.8. Come near to God and he'll come near to you. I think most of us know that, but do you know what's next? Wash your hands, you sinners. There's the answer. If we'd have been doing that, we wouldn't even be in this situation. But I want you to get serious a minute. Come near to God, He'll come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Yeah, I'm a sinner saved by grace, but thank God I've asked Jesus in my life. But what if you're a sinner and you don't know about God's grace? What if you never asked Christ in your life? There's going to be a penalty to pay when this is all over. It's separation from God. And it says, purify your hearts, you double-minded. And it goes back to what I'm talking about. That spirit of fear that can come in and get our minds going back and forth. We're tossed around like a wave in the ocean. And we need God to come and help us and let that faith arise. And we need to do our part as a church as Pastor John has just explained before. You know, we're not going to gather. We're going to follow our our government authorities and we want to be a a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. And we're going to do that part. And when it says don't assemble together, we're not going to do that, but we're still assembling together. We're assembling together right now. We have the power right now to actually reach more people than when we sit in here. We've got the opportunity, every one of us, to share this message. Every one of us to do a live feed of some sort. Every one of us to call our neighbors and really be bold about what God can do for us and help us through the situation. And here's my prayer for America. And it's a scripture I found the Lord helped me find in Jeremiah 33, 6. And I want this to literally be a decree. It says, behold, I will bring health to it. I'll bring to it health and healing. I will heal them and reveal to them abundance and prosperity and security. Think about that a minute. We're being aware now that America has become too dependent even on some other countries that don't believe like we do. And it's that don't believe in religious freedom. But it's kind of sad right now. Because even in America there's a battle going on. For religious rights and religious freedom. But I want to make this declaration. And you make it with me. As I declare this over America. In Jeremiah 33.6. Behold. I will bring to it health to America and healing. I will heal them and reveal to them abundance. Prosperity and security. But you know what? All of that is great. But it's still secondary to spreading the good news. It's still... The most important thing is winning as many as possible before it's too late. It's more important praying for a spiritual revival in America. And as we close, I want to remind us of those letters again as they put them on your screen. COVID. C, cast your cares on him because he cares for you. O, offer up praises. Offer up thanksgiving. V, victory. Declare it. Fight from a place of victory. I is intercession. Let's stand in the gap. Let's pray. Let's take on those burdens for other people. And D, do not shrink back. Church, do not shrink back at a time like this. Let's step out. Let's help our neighbors. Let's do what we can to bless people. Let me finish with a short little story. You know, there's two explorers. They were in a jungle safari, safari, and suddenly this ferocious lion jumps out in front of them. And when he jumps out, one of the explorers, he kind of looks at the other guy and says, keep calm. And he whispers, remember that book we read about wild animals. If you stand perfectly still, look the lion right in the eye, he'll turn and run. And his painter says, sure. He said, I've read the book. You've read the book. But has the lion read the book? You know, as we do close, I want to reassure you, I have stayed in a Holiday Inn. I have read the end of this book, and we do win. God is still on the throne and I'm going to tell you, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world and nothing is impossible for God. And if God is for us, who can be against us? I don't want to finish asking you this question. Are you 100% sure if you died, you'd go to heaven or hell? Like I said, April 14th, 1984, I was asked that question I didn't know. And it's not just about going to church. It's not just about, you know, there was a time where I kind of pulled Jesus out as a spare tire to help me. But then there was a time I said this prayer, and I said, Jesus, not just be my Savior, but be my Lord. Come into my life. Take control. And if you've never done that, I want you to say a prayer with me right now. If you are not sure you've go to heaven, if you have gotten off track from God. Matter of fact, we're going to have a little text here on on our screen. It's going to say, Restored. You can text the word restored to 97,000. We'll have somebody that will call you and pray with you. Matter of fact, you'll get a link to our Pastor John and a little discipleship series that will help you walk this walk. But right now, and I want you to take time in your home. Ask your kids Say, are you 100% sure? Look around. If you're not, man, this is the time to get right as a family. This is the time to get right individually. You could be in your car. I want you to pause for a moment. And just repeat this prayer after me. What you're doing, if you're not sure, if you want to ask Christ to come in your life, if you want to be born again, if you want to know where you're going to spend eternity, if you want Jesus Christ in the boat of your life, not just in your boat, but literally behind the wheel of your life, repeat this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Come into my life. Change me. Help me to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm telling you, it's a simple prayer, but it's a very powerful prayer because there's a real God that's going to come and live in your heart. He'll change it from the inside out. Religion is man's best effort to reach God, but a relationship is where he's coming in, and I want to re- reinforce, this is about a relationship where you can walk and talk with God, where he wants to reveal himself to you. And this is also a time that you ought to realize more than ever, you need to be a part of a local church. Man, if you've been away from your local church, get back in it right now. And I know we're not meeting right now, but man, I'd start connecting with those people. And if you're not part of a church, man, we'll give you an opportunity right now online to be a part of our church. Just just text C-O-T-R, that stands for Church on the Rock, to 97000. And when you do that, you're going to become part of a family. And guess what? This family, we're going to do our best in the next 48 hours to give you a call. And say, hey, how's things going? Do you need any prayer? Do you need any needs? And we want you to be a part of this family because we need each, We need each other right now, and our church family. We, we've had our elders and, and deacons and pastors begin to call our list of people. But if you're not on that list, a church member, well, we don't know who you are. And so it's so important to be so important to be connected right now. You know, I'm going to go ahead and just kind of wrap up with a really very short prayer. But as I wrap up, I mentioned Psalm. Uh, 45. I've got a new version of the Bible called the Passion Bible that's just really kind of speaking to me right now. So I'm going to kind of formally close out in prayer. I'll let you go on with things, but I'm going to take about another two minutes and read that verse, a few verses out of Psalm 51. Lord, I just want to say I love you. I thank you that whether this is live right now and they're watching, whether they play this back on YouTube or whether they uh, watch it tomorrow and it's live, but it's recorded, Lord, that your word is alive. It's going out, and it's not going to come back void. It'll continue to go out. Lord, that whenever two or more gather, you're right there in the midst. And I thank you. Lord, you're God that cares about us. And I stand against that spirit of fear, and I declare it to bow its knee to the name of Jesus. And that peace will come into our homes, and there'll be that sense that, Lord, the righteous will never be forsaken. Their seed begging for bread. Lord, you'll take care of us. And if there's somebody sick, you'll heal and touch them in Jesus' name. Again, you can let those prayer requests be made known on uh, Facebook or wherever, and uh, we'll do our best to try to pray with you. I'm going to look up Psalm 145, and I'm kind of officially closing, but I'm going to read this for those that want to stick around. A few verses out of this. And you can read this out loud, part of your prayer time. Psalm 145. My heart explodes with praise to you. Now and forever my heart bows in worship to you, my King and my God. Every day I'll lift up my praise to your name, with praises that will last throughout eternity. Lord, you are great and worthy of highest praise, for there is no end to the discovery of greatness that surrounds you. Generation after generation will declare more of your greatness and declare more of your glory. Your magnificent splendor and miracles of majesty are my constant meditation. Your awe-aspiring acts of power have everyone talking. I'm telling people everywhere about your excellent greatness. Our hearts bubble over as we celebrate the fame of your marvelous beauty. Bring and bless to our hearts. We shout with ecstatic joy over your breakthrough for us. You're kind and tenderhearted to those who don't deserve it and very patient with people who fail you. Your love is like a flooding river overflowing its banks with kindness. May the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious unto you, lift up his countenance upon you, and give you peace. Lord bless you. Amen.